We're losing our capacity to be in charge of our own industry because of outdated taboos. Tattooing is a multi-trillion dollar industry around the world now. So it's kind of like it was only a matter of time before somebody wanted a piece of that pie. It's just a money grab for the state and it makes absolutely no sense. I hope that people will get involved because if you don't get involved, things are just gonna get shut down. Knowledge is power. My name is Steph Bastian. In my 10 years on the road, I've met many unique characters in the tattoo business, and they all have one thing in common, incredible stories. Stories of past times, personal growth, priceless experience, and of course, bizarre happenings. I want to share those stories with you. This is Tattoo Tales. Hi everybody. Today's episode is a little bit different from what you used to, it's a bit more on the informative side of tattooing. The guest is Anna Wolf, and she just wrote a book called The Science of Tattooing, where she digs into the questions that we don't always have an answer for, more of the nerdy side of tattooing. I believe that her voice needed to be heard and amplified, because especially today where the government is getting more and more involved in tattooing, we need to better educate ourselves in order to stand our ground and define the new guidelines for what's going to be tomorrow's industry. Um, if we don't do that, as Anna suggests, what happens is that somebody else will. So perhaps that somebody might be people that are not from the industry and they don't have its best interests at heart. So I believe that this type of information is very valuable for us professionals because can it keep us is one more tool to give us the chance to influence the direction that our beloved craft is going to take tomorrow, hopefully for the benefit of the people that really care about. So I hope you enjoy the big amount of information that Hannah has to share with us as I did. Anna, welcome. Uh, where are you from again? Um, I tattoo out of Oakland, California. I started tattooing uh, about 17 years ago. Um, I've kind of been a resident tattooer in a number of places around the United States. Um, I learned how to tattoo in New Mexico. Um, I worked out of Las Vegas, Portland, uh, San Diego. Um, I used to own a shop in San Francisco, so I've kind of bounced back and forth between the East Bay and San Francisco for about the last nine years. Um, and I just opened a private studio in Oakland called a Colt Tattoo. You got into this task of trying to sort out this big gray area that is the legislations about tattoo shops regarding hygiene and, and especially to kind of shine a light in how part of the process works, which even people that have been in the business for a very long time don't really know often. So do you want to tell us a bit about how that happened, why you started in the first place, what's your vision? Yeah. Um, when I was in my early teens, I did go to college. I was studying art history. I found it very interesting, but I'd already started tattooing by then, and I knew that my career 
belonged in tattooing and not necessarily in getting an undergraduate degree I wasn't going to use. Um, when I was in my mid-20s, I ended up going back to school, kind of had like a mid-career um, crisis where I didn't quite know what I wanted to be. Um, I've always had a real passion for uh, science and biology in particular. So I went back to school for biology um, and took a bunch of chemistry, you know, collegiate level chemistry classes and biology. Um, so I'd like to think that having tattooed all over the world and taking international um, certifications like in Australia for, for hand washing and sanitation and bloodborne uh, pathogen cross-contamination, um, that I kind of had a little bit of a better understanding. Um, and then I, I kind of had so many more questions about things involved in the tattoo process that not only could I not answer, um, but I couldn't find the answers to. Uh, and I had clients with autoimmune uh, disease that were basically asking me like, hey, do you have any more information about like what is actually in these tattoo pigments? or how this is gonna affect um, you know, these skin conditions or these kind of uh, like chronic pain disorders that I may have or uh, certain types of allergies. So I basically kind of set out about three years ago to try to find out a way to answer this stuff and put it into a cohesive document. That was a little bit more of a difficult and cumbersome task than I had uh, originally suspected. Um, it took about three years. I worked with four different people that were PhDs and master's degrees in science. Um, basically all of them are, are either medical doctors or have doctorates. And we kind of set out to try to answer specific things. I uh, curated this book, so I basically had a number of topics that I wanted covered, and that definitely evolved a little bit over time. And also, you know, we weren't quite able to put everything that I wanted into this book. And then once the book was almost published, I linked up with someone who works regulation uh, and compliance in the United States. And then it became really apparent that this book was necessary and served a lot of purpose in uh, compliance and regulation in not only educating the tattoo industry about what's happening in the tattoo process and the human body and chemistry involved in it and physics and physiology, but in educating regulators and educating the people that are kind of on the fringe of tattooing. So not only clients, but people that come into tattoo shops and do inspection that may not necessarily understand quite what we're doing. I feel like tattooers have been ostracized and it's been kind of this taboo thing for so long. It's time for that to stop because tattooing is so mainstream. I know in the United States, uh, we suspect one in 10 people and age ranges 18 to like 55 have a tattoo. So that's a huge amount of Americans, you know, that's 10% of the population at least. Um, we suspect have a tattoo. You know, it's really appropriate that we have better tools and knowledge within the industry. The things that I teach in my book um, should be tools that tattooers have to basically inform themselves, uh, you know, should future regulation become more strict, um, but also just as a generalization that we all learn certain things in tattooing in our apprenticeships, or, you know, if you attend a tattoo school, you learn cer certain characteristics about, you know, what mags are and how to tune your machine. But there are certain things about the way that chemistry and physiology react in the human body that we also need to know as a foundation for education in the industry. Definitely, there is a lot of holes in the in within the knowledge that you acquire practically, you know, through the apprenticeships. 
to play the devil's advocate, the first time I heard about your book, because I come more, a bit more from a traditional side, and I'm sure that you, you encounter a lot of old school people, so to speak. Uh, at first I thought, hmm, should certain things uh, be left unsaid? And then I bought your book. I started reading it. I'm kind of like halfway. And uh, one thing that I realized is that it's not really obviously a book for the public because it's very technical and specific. So I don't think a normal person, a client would read that because it's very, it goes really into chemistry and stuff. And I realized that what it is, most of all, it's a tool for tattooers in order to understand better the process. And especially in this moment in time, to be better equipped at counter certain assessment from the governments, certain like controls and check. And they said, okay, you cannot use this because we think that it's carcinogenic and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, most of the times, I'm part people that I can count on one hand, like a friend of mine that is developing pigments. So he's really now well acquainted with chemistry and all of that. But apart from these people, I don't know many others that can actually counter this argument with facts and with uh, knowledge. It's more of a vague thing where, oh no, but you know, end up being, I'm in that area as well. I know for a fact that that thing is not gonna be for you, it's not gonna be uh, bad for you, but I can't really explain you with facts or scientifically why. So what I think is the good thing of your book and, and your research, I think it's a tool. This is a very good word for it because it's a tool in your belt to when you uh, have certain critiques or certain laws coming out, then you can actually counteract and say, okay, I know what's in here. I know what it does. I know the process. And you can actually be informed rather than taking sort of a, an educated guess. I've been working with people that have like four years of tattooing in the business and being realistic, you know, you don't need to be a chemistry expert, you know, in order to understand how to do a good tattoo but the thing is that sometimes either some reactions happen or something happened and even that couldn't really explain you you know so i think it would be very good if you actually could know why happened what happened and make the difference between uh, scenarios i think that's a great value in, in in the research you're doing yeah absolutely i mean that's why i did it my book has absolutely nothing about how to tattoo um, I also don't cover any specificity into uh, like proprietary information uh, for specific ink companies. I kind of generalize as to like what the content of pigment is. You know, understanding the differences between dyes and pigments is also really important in tattooing because there are certain things that you should be putting into the human body and certain things that you should not be putting into the human body. Some pigments are a little bit more toxic and we do need to address that. Um, and some dyes are really dangerous. Dyes can be broken down a lot more easily in the human body. And I think that uh, we're kind of at a point in tattooing where using art store pigments to tattoo, it, it really should be passe. You know, it, it really is kind of like we've evolved to a point in this industry where we can make specific products that are much more appropriate for the application. Um, and also a lot safer for our clients, because the last thing that we want to do is je not only jeopardize our own career and our own bodies, but we don't want to jeopardize the health and safety of our clients. So if you better arm yourself with tools about what's happening in the tattoo process, you know, you can kind of prevent things from getting blown out of proportion. I know a lot of things in Europe lately have been really blown out of proportion. But the other thing to really address um, is that 
if you have the tools for knowing that your, you know, what your materials are, you can hold these supply companies accountable. Because I know in the United States, there's Congress is working on regulation, but in a number of different um, countries, you know, the European Union and Australia, they're starting to do toxicology testing on pigment. And it really is a, important to hold these companies accountable for what we're buying and what we're applying into our clients. Because if there is a higher level of toxicity, you know, it could potentially be a higher risk. Um, and there hasn't been any conclusive um, data and tests that have basically proven that tattoo pigments cause things like cancer, but they can cause a couple of different complications. And those types of things are in the book. Basically, you know, pigments are going to stick in your lymph nodes. And if somebody has some kind of issue with lymphoma or, you know, some kind of disorder with a lymph node, um, it makes it a lot harder to diagnose in the human body because, you know, basically when you do a scan on the lymph node, it's just going to show up packed with stuff. And that potentially could be a misdiagnosis for some kind of tumor. Um, so things like these not only need to be educated to the tattoo industry so that we have tools, but also for, uh, you know, the medical industry. And there is a really good book that's geared toward, um, you know, the medical industry and those that work in medicine and that do have a little bit more of a science background called Tattooed Skin and Health. And I think that that is also um, a fantastic book to pick up if you have a little bit more of a science basis. And I would suggest um, not only buying my book, but buying that book, um, because a lot of my book is based on some research involved in that book. Um, the difference being is that that book's really hard to understand and read if you don't have fundamental um, information like what I provide. Uh, my book is also a more comprehensive textbook. So I teach a lot more fundamental aspects of science from kind of beginning to end so you can kind of understand what medical publications are publishing as, as toward like uh, scientific articles to kind of like dive further into this type of stuff. And I do want to do a second edition of this book that kind of does dive a little bit further. Um, but this is a really good stepping stone to start understanding things. You cannot buy my book as a substitution for an apprenticeship. Um, even if you go to a tattoo school and you buy my book, you're still going to be lacking some fundamental uh, skills as a tattooer. There is no substitution for at least a two-year apprenticeship. And I can't I can't stress that enough. Um, I think that even with tattoo schools all around the world, they really bode like a necessity for reformation. I, I don't think that I don't think that you can take a six month course and really learn how to tattoo. And I think that even if you've been tattooing for two years, and then you read my book, you're still going to need to learn so much to be a well equipped individual, not only as a practical, basically engineer and operation of tattooing, but also as an artist yourself. So just like you said, this book is a tool. Um, and I feel like it's really necessary, especially now in the industry, which is why I made this book. Um, it was a lot of time and effort. And it really came from a place of necessity and not a place of, you know, greed. I'm not trying to make a bunch of money off of the book. I really just think like, hey, everybody, you know, you should know this because there's a complete like incohesion of regulation around the world as to like what is necessary and what is not necessary. 
Um, my book also does not cover anything about bloodborne pathogen contamination. These are things that every person should go out and get a certification in if they're operating in the tattoo industry. That is just unquestionable. That's, that's something that is just a foundation. Everybody needs to know that kind of stuff to keep themselves and their clients safe. But if you want to have a greater understanding of the material science and tattooing, you should read my book. The contamination process and the sterilization process is something that you can find because there are, even before tattoo schools, which I'm not the biggest you know, fan of, but even before that, uh, you would have to take, depending on the country, uh, your certification in order to be able to, to work. And, uh, and I've seen different realities because by traveling for many years, I had to take the same certificate in Spain and in here and in there. Mm -hmm. um, so you can find it. The thing is, other type of information, you can't find it. And the thing is, going back to the fact of how much information should be shared, you know, to try to speak to all the different categories of tattooers out there, right? Yeah, more progressive, more traditional. How much information should you have? The stuff that we're talking about, it's not, you can't find it. And especially, like you say, the, the nature of the components you use and the possible reaction you have and how those reactions are different from other type of problematics that might uh, come after a tattoo. You don't, you don't find that type of, even if you speak to a dermatologist, because I've had, again, because I traveled different year, many years in different countries, I spoke to different people, even dermatologists, even doctors, and they don't know. You know, they're like, mm -hmm. oh, it's an infection, take antibiotics, but they don't know what type of right. what's happening, you know. So that thing is that, in, that information is not available. And like I was saying, I think, again, I'm going to use that word tool. It's the same thing with the iPad when it came out. You know, when you, you have some some people are very enthusiastic, some people hate it, right? The way I see it, the same thing with your book is just one more tool, which means will not substitute, like you said, certain other things is not either or it's just one more tool that you can use in certain situation and especially again to to avoid the worst scenarios because the thing is uh, when everything goes okay and everything works fine everything heals perfectly everything we're all good the one thing in 10 years or whatever when things go wrong you would pay all the money in the world for that thing to go away right and often you don't know what it what happened so the thing is, you, you, you try to, oh, maybe you do this, maybe you do that cream, maybe you use that, don't do that, don't put the plastic, put the plastic. You know? so, but it's really about just some practical wisdom that come, but not about real knowledge. So I think that's, that's the volume of what you're doing. And how long have you been working on this book and who you've been working with? So, um, like I said, it took about three years to really form this book. Um, I initially started working with a PhD bioengineer named uh, Dr. Shelley Mason, and she helped kind of form the first section of this book. And then I kind of wanted to go a little bit more in the direction of the medical side. So I started working with a um, PhD astrobiologist and medical doctor who used to work with NASA, and that's Dr. David Wormflash. He basically is a scientific author now, so he also published another book about the moon, um, which you can find through my website, uh, thescienceoftattooing.com. If you click on our team, you can, you can find a link to, to David's book. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, David's wonderful. He's a really smart guy. He's a really talented author. Um, he was able to kind of help form things a little bit more in the medical direction, to answer things about chemistry and the human body. Um, and then I 
works with um, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Kevin Chu. He has a master's degree in uh, microbiology, and he's also a doctor of chiropractic. So he also has a greater understanding of the human body. And then he, you know, did a, a couple of uh, chapters on um, on pain and basically pain relation through our spine and how that relates to like our brain, because understanding how pain works is also really important for tattooers. So I have quite a bit in the book about not only physiologically how our eyes work, how we process color, the visible light spectrum, because that's important to understand like how we perceive color, but also how color works in general from a chemical standpoint, and then also how colors fade. But if we understand pain better and we understand, uh, you know, mechanical reception, we also can understand like what's going on in our client's body and why pain and perception of pain, you know, sensory reception is different for everybody. So if somebody says like, oh, do tattoos hurt? Well, it's not as simple as a yes or no question. Um, You know, basically, you don't have to like school somebody down from a scientific perspective, but you can say like, you know, tattoos might really hurt one person and they might not really hurt another person. It just kind of depends on uh, what your genetic makeup is. Some people can sit through, you know, 16 hours of straight tattooing on a back piece and it really doesn't bother them that much. And other people, you know, they can make it through about an hour and it's, it's a lot harder for them. And it doesn't make like one person less tough than another. We're all just kind of made up a little bit differently. Um, but a lot of pain also is psychological. So it's it's really interesting to kind of understand that type of stuff. Um, I also worked with um, a, a research assistant who helped with a lot of stuff on this book, and, and that's Beth Schechter. She also has a ma- master's degree. Um, she was really helpful. She did a lot of reforming and, you know, kind of like the dirty work behind all of this stuff. It's been a huge project. We're still working and fixing some edits and... Uh, mistakes right now. So I'll actually have like a new edited version out, uh, which is basically the same book. We're just fixing some typos and things. So that should be out in the next month. Yeah, it's a a huge project and it's a huge undertaking. And I hope that people can use the material that's in this book and understand that it has been peer reviewed by not only, you know, the different medical professionals and, you know, scientific professionals that I hired to work with me on this book, but also some other uh, industry relevant professionals and also some people that work in uh, regulation through the Association of Food and Drug Officials that are committee chairs for the Body Art Education Alliance. And, you know, these types of people have like a greater understanding of, you know, regulation throughout the United States and a little bit more of a greater understanding of regulation, you know, throughout the world, because that's basically what they're doing, sitting on committee chairs and being relevant experts in that field. Um, I also had a nurse practitioner work with me on the medical portion of this book, too, and she has also been working to um, gather and correlate information on complications and tattoos. So, Everybody that's worked on this book has a relevant specificity as to having an expertise in the field of which where they worked in the book. Um, And I felt like that was really appropriate rather than trying to write something myself and then try to fact check and have uh, accuracy. I've never been much of a writer you know, in my own right. Uh, I don't author anything in addition to this book. I just really felt like this book needed to be done and nobody was going to do it. 
and maybe somebody was going to do it if they found, you know, a way to make money off of it in 10 years, if tattoo schools became mandatory. And the whole premise of doing this book was so the tattoo schools did not have to become mandatory in the United States or around the world, basically, so that us tattooers can arm ourselves with the tools that we need to basically attend any kind of board meeting or, you know, any kind of, uh, meeting that involves anybody in legislation or regulation and basically stand up and say, you know, we understand our materials, we know what is going on. And rather than speculating that things are dangerous, we need farther, you know, more research, we need more in depth research to prove unequivocally that something is dangerous. And as to my understanding, having written this book and been doing research for three years, we don't have that. Tattooing isn't necessarily any more dangerous than using deodorant every day or talking on your cell phone. And everybody takes inherent risks every day in order to live a modern day life. And tattooing is no different than any of that type of stuff. And naturally, some pigments are a little bit more dangerous. And as tattooers, we've learned over the years to stay away from certain pigments, you know, like... Like we all know, if you've been working a long time, that tattooers talk and we kind of share trade secrets. Um, and in doing so, we'll say, you know, stay away from X pigment of this color. You know, that'll be like almost a guaranteed reaction. And something that I do think needs to change is those types of pigments and their level of toxicity needs to not be sold to the public because it could be a complication. And again, the last thing that we want to do is a beautiful tattoo that somebody goes home and has a continuing contact dermatitis reaction to. So these are the types of things we need to avoid in the future of tattooing. And by educating ourselves, potentially we can, um, but we do need to have more research. And uh, would you like to give like a basic outline of, of the structure of the book? Sure. Basically, the beginning of the book starts with some physiology, you know, basically sensation and perception and how pain works. So um, how we perceive things and how things can be like basically a psychological perception versus something that's more of like a mechanical perception. So that would be something of like having a really bad anxiety attack because you think something's going to be really bad and then on the adverse side, actually getting struck by something uh, with force, and that actually hurts. So those types of things are covered in the beginning of the book, and like how that actually works, like in our mind. Also, uh, the different neurons and you know sensory reception cells, and like basically how there's an exchange in uh, in our bodies between like a chemical reaction, which can relay. Uh, certain information. So if people have never taken a physiology book before, I break it all the way down to like, you know, basically the electrical um, impulses within the human body so that you understand action potential within cells and how we relay information through our bodies so that our mind thinks, move your hand, and then you move your hand. Or, you know, if we get burned or tattooed, your body says, move away from that, you know, just just that kind of thing. So there's a chapter two about that at the beginning of the book. And then it goes into basically how pain is relayed up our spine and uh, how certain painkillers and opiates block certain things. So basically how uh, pain abatement 
works within our uh, nervous system, you know, so our, our central nervous system. And, you know, we're not doctors, so it's never appropriate for us tattooers to either, you know, prescribe any kind of pharmaceutical or for us to ever diagnose something. But if we have a better understanding as to how something works, we can kind of better suggest certain things for our clients to do or not do. Um, the second unit of the book moves more into chemistry and breaks down um, like a whole breakdown of like what uh, the table of elements are, um, how the table of elements are set up. So you understand like how chemicals work around us in the world. Um, and if you understand how chemicals work, you can understand element formation um, and basically how electronics bond and stick together. And then you can understand the types of structures of elements um, that make up things like tattoo pigments. So the main two things I stress in my book about chemical pigments are metal salts and polymers. Um, a metal salt can be more dangerous in the human body and polymers tend to be a little bit more benign. Not to say that polymers do not also have an attached metal atom, a heavy metal atom, but typically metal salts are gonna be a lot more uh, detrimental and carcinogenic in the human body. Um, so if you understand that, you can also understand that uh, material safety data sheets, which are accessible from any ink company, um, are open to the public. And if you request uh, a material safety data sheet from a pigment manufacturer, um, they will send you one. And that will give you not necessarily a formulaic breakdown into like the recipe of their ink, but it'll tell you what's in it. So if you have a client that says, hey, I'm really allergic to nickel, it's really bad, you can, requ you can request material safety data sheets from your material manufacturers, whether it's an ink company or a needle company, and they can send you a sheet that's gonna say whether or not the raw powder pigment is gonna be basically a metal salt or not. And if something's a metal salt, your client's gonna be more reactive to something if they have a metal allergy. So you can help keep your clients safer or you can give them homework to do it on their own um, if they think that something's gonna be problematic. So that's the second unit of the book is kind of this chemistry breakdown. And then from the second unit of the book, I start moving into a little bit more of the medical side. So I break down a little bit more of what happens to pigment once it's in the body, how it moves through your lymphatic system and through your liver and kidneys, and basically how certain particles can stick in certain parts of your body. Um, I also break down what laser removal is because I think that's really interesting when, you know, a client asks, like, how does removal work? You know, some tattooers can't really answer that. So the book breaks that down of to like the physics of what a laser is and how it removes ink from the body by exploding these, you know, little particles and basically how the laser can work in exploding an ink particle, but not just you know, burning somebody's skin off and, and how that heals and the whole process and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also have around there um, a breakdown of what allergies are and wound healing and basically how the cells in our body process these particles into like healing or having a histamine reaction and basically what that entails. 
the last unit of the book is contraindications. And a lot of tattooers should already know this. And a lot of parts of the United States do, but not all of the United States. So I know it's probably other parts around the world as well. Um, we require certain things on our release forms, and a lot of that has to do with contraindications. So that's going to be what types of medications you're taking that could be problematic, the health of your client, hemophilia, uh, diabetes, all of these different types of things in which somebody should be contraindicated from getting a tattoo. So that means they should not be getting a tattoo. So if you understand what to ask your clients, you can avoid complications pretty immediately. Um, this portion of the book could be, you know, a whole nother book on its own. And that's kind of what I want to move into on the second edition um, is something that goes more onto the medical side. You know, just like you were saying about not only tattooers understanding this, but, you know, dermatologists and medical professionals for suggesting what type of issue or um, complication a client is having. Because so many times my, ta my tattoos don't heal well and the client has a complication, they go into the doctor, they're immediately prescribed antibiotics, which we all know, you know, you don't need to continually be taking antibiotics for problems because a lot of the time it's not a bacterial infection. It could be that they're having um, an autoimmune skin event, uh, auto, autoimmune disorders are also um, addressed in the book, which are things that are important for people to understand is that how tattooing will affect people with eczema or vitiligo and uh, potential complications there. So yeah, there, there can be so many complications when, when a tattoo goes wrong and somebody goes into the doctor. And, you know, it starts with us tattooers educating ourselves, but it also starts with uh, medical professionals educating themselves uh, so that we can appropriately treat tattooing um, and complications rather than just shutting it down. Even not to jeopardize things that actually do not have dangerous substances in it. For example, like something might go wrong for a certain reason, which, again, you might not be able to diagnose. The doctor is not able to diagnose. And then it's like, oh, that color gives me reaction because I heard it so many times. It's like, oh, no, that color. And then maybe just it was an infection, maybe due to poor hygiene or whatever, you know, overworking the skin that got done somewhere, you know. So... I think it would be good to actually stand up to those problems and as well to people enforcing the regulations because, you know, one or not, the cat is out of the bag, it's not going to go back in. So things mm -hmm. are not going to go back to the way they were. So if actually it's going to become even more controlled by the government. So that's a, that is a fact, it's not an opinion. Then it's better to think about how to get ready rather than think, you know, I wish it would be or and living like in a sort of a living in the past, you know. So definitely, definitely agree on that. And uh, what is the what is the biggest obstacle that you found in your research and in writing this book or, or taking this project on? The hardest thing is just... Um, I think when I started mentioning to people that I was doing this project, um, as you were saying with like this, uh, this kind of old school community um, and people that have tat been tattooing over 30 years, um, you know, in the United States, people didn't even really start wearing gloves until the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and then even so, it was like to keep ink off their hands and not necessarily to, um, to have like 
pathogen abatement or um, to avoid cross-contamination. So even in my own career, it was like, I, I didn't even have to get a tattoo license until 2007. And that was like the first time I had taken cross-contamination training and first aid and all of that kind of stuff and actually gone through a health department for a health license. Um, so the hardest part for me has been kind of getting people to understand that this is not another bullshit how to tattoo book. There's a lot of that available. You know, if you look on like tattoo education books on Amazon, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crap out there. Um, and I think it's really time that we kind of get behind something. So just getting the word out that this is a useful tool and I've had nothing but good feedback about it so far from a lot of tattooers with a lot of experience um, and a lot of you know, industry relevant professionals, like think this is a really useful thing. Um, and, you know, I self-funded all of this stuff. I'm a tattoo artist. I'm not independently wealthy. So just getting the word out has been really tough for me to just kind of like get people on the side instead of instead of attacking like what it is uh, fundamentally um, by not necessarily understanding what is actually in the book. Um, and then, yeah, just having everybody understand that this is this is so good and it's so useful. And I learned so much doing this book because, like I said, I didn't know until I started doing a lot of research and hiring people and starting to learn, like, even how to ask the right questions. Um, and I hope that this starts the conversation and I hope that this lights a fire in the tattoo industry of what we need to educate ourselves on and what we need to ask questions for because I hope that this is only the beginning. I hope that people will get involved because if you don't get involved, things are just going to get shut down. So you need to you need to reach out to localized as well as, you know, national regulatory agencies and ask the people who are in charge to give you more information. And don't stop until you can be a part of it, you know? And this is this is our entire livelihood. These are our careers. A lot of us don't have backup plans, you know? And if, if tattooing becomes uh, structured in a way that prevents us all from being able to do our jobs adequately, that affects us all. That affects the way that we feed our families and take care of ourselves and pay our mortgages. Um, so we need to get involved. We need to better educate ourselves you know, and it takes, it takes effort. But yeah, if, if people can just get this book, even the ebook and read it on their phone and between things, start asking the questions, send me emails with more questions. And uh, yeah, let's, let's try to figure out a way to come together as an industry to participate, you know, and, and kind of do this together rather than, than fight it. Um, I know that's a really long answer to what the, the hardest thing has been. But when I started doing this book, I told people about it and people thought it was dumb and they thought, why are you doing that? Or they thought you're going to make tattooing illegal. And now that the book is available, I've had zero of those responses. Everybody has said, this is fantastic. I want a copy. Thank you. So have a good uh, you know, outlook on this. <laughs> That's the first reaction that I had as well when I heard about it because I did not have an idea about what it really was about. And like you said, the first thing that comes to your head is, oh, another how to tattoo book, right? But that's the thing. If you have uh, an inquisitive mind enough, 
in order to see and read and understand before you make a judgment upon, then you give it a look. And then the moment you read, you know, the first few pages, you understand that this is nothing but an educated and an informed study on a big part of tattooing, which is the before, during and after. And um, how is it the situation now in the States? Obviously, you have many different states, many different regulations, many different, like, for example, what happened in Oregon and all of that. How is it, for example, where you where you where you're at? Because some countries I, I witnessed in my travel, some countries are uh, a bit better than others. Some are an absolute mess. For example, in Spain at the moment, there is no one pigment that is officially approved. So theoretically, you could not use anything. You know, <laughs> so it makes absolutely no sense. And then I remember ten years ago, uh, a company which I will not name uh, managed to uh, make their pigment approved just because they have their hands in, you know, in connections and blah, blah, blah. And their pigment was just dirty water, plain and simple. It wasn't even pigment. So you could not use it. You couldn't even paint with it. So then people would have to buy, everybody bought that kit to keep it in the shop in case they would have a control, you know, and use the other stuff because it was unusable. So I think it's very important if the change that we want to promote comes from within the industry rather than from outside, uh, which means that the change will come from people with passion, first of all, love for, for the trade, and especially already a sort of understanding which you cannot have if you have not been living this. I'm not, I'm not saying tattooing or working, I'm saying living. That being said, if the change comes from within, obviously it has to be supported, you know, like, like the things that you're doing. And so that you avoid that people eventually will take control, people that do not belong, so to speak, and people that do understand it, people that don't even have the interest to understand, you know, because they would rather, oh, let's close the shop, you know, like it happened again in Spain where they gave like crazy fines of 5,000 bucks because like ridiculous things that they come up with, you know, which wasn't a threat for the, for the public just because it was out of not understanding really what's going on. And it happened many times that I witnessed in different countries again, when the people from in Denmark, in Spain, in Italy, uh, you name it, when actually people from the government or from the health department or whatever, they would come in the shop and would ask you, uh, what's that for? And what do you do with that? And what is that? And you think, okay, so you are the person that is deciding what to do and what not to do. And you have no idea what's going on. You know, so that that is the problem. I think it's important to promote initiatives like this because then by you taking that on, hopefully you take it off the hands of other people that have no understanding or interest, really, in promoting the business. How is the situation where you're from, like where you live and what you hear in the States? How is it over there? So a, a lot is changing in the United States right now. Um, there's bills in Congress uh, to basically re-regulate what can and cannot be used as a tattoo pigment. And that's kind of the the biggest thing right now is the tattoo pigments that people are getting involved with. Um, a lot of the other materials, not so much. Um, and, and a lot of it seems really arbitrary. Uh, basically what, what the FDA and Congress are saying is that we should only have approved color additives and um, we should only have like approved color additives in market for, for the public, for, for the tattoo industry. And right now the FDA approved color additives are basically what's food grade color additives. So a lot of them are so only- by- by color additives, you mean? 
pigments and inks. Um, so approved color additives, to my understanding right now, that are approved for the FDA are food grades. So that would be like food coloring, which are mostly dyes. So we're trying to figure out a petition process in order to basically say, hey, this is safe. This is what's in it. There's a couple of different agencies out there that are working on petition processes right now. It's going to be really expensive for the ink companies because, you know, each ink basically has like a proprietary formula. Um, some ink companies sell over 140 different types of inks. So if they have to go and petition each formula, um, it becomes very complicated. Um, so I've been trying to I've been trying to get some direct answers from uh, the FDA representative who's kind of like the head of this task force right now. Unfortunately, the whole COVID-19 crisis kind of has started to happen in the middle of me working on this. So, you know, I've, I've kind of been... Uh, delayed and trying to figure things out. Something that I'm trying to do is post, you know, publicized information on my website. So as soon as I kind of figure out these things, I can have accessible information available to the public. Um, unfortunately, things are just so chaos around the world right now in managing, you know, my shop as, as well as all of my clientele and, um, you know, the science of tattooing and all of these different projects. I just really haven't had the time to um, invest into as much uh, dealing with legislatures as I would like. Each state has a little bit of additional additional legislation and regulation. So in the United States, we have federal law. So basically, everything that people have to abide by, but each state is kind of like its own little country in addition to the federal government. So the, the thing with that is that let's say, you know, legalize recreational marijuana in the United States. So states can legalize marijuana. However, it's still federally illegal. So we kind of deal with these issues where really stateside, state to state, we have problems. So theoretically, even if the federal government says this is illegal, we could go to our state legislation and try to approve something uh, on the state level. Um, is it going to be difficult? Yes. Is it going to be time consuming? Yes. Obviously, the big thing is to try to, you know, stop this from happening in the first place. Um, basically, Congress moved into this because all these other other countries started doing it. And, you know, you kind of have to follow the money. Whoever sees that there's going to be income in this, whether it be uh, a revenue source through the FDA or some other regulatory agencies, they're going to go after it. Tattooing is a multi-trillion dollar industry around the world now. So it's kind of like it was only a matter of time before somebody wanted a piece of that pie. Um, the other thing is that if we can stop regulation from becoming inaccessibly expensive, so if a petition process and approval is not accessible to a smaller company and it's only accessible to a multi-million dollar company, well, not only are we losing out on, you know, these handcrafted brands of things that are really good, but we're also losing out on the competitive nature of capitalism in general, you know, and how do these handcrafted materials in the tattoo industry and these handcrafted companies survive when things become so strict and regulated that nobody can access it? And that it who's to say that these larger companies or conglomerates, or even if giant cosmetic manufacturers like Johnson's Johnson's get involved, who's to say that that product is going to be any good? Who's to say that it's going to be any different than Spain's 
brand of tattoo pigments that's basically dirty water, but that's what's approved. So if we understand our materials and we get involved and we act out of love and we try to do things that involve fighting for what we trust and we believe in in this industry, we can try to protect our craft rather than just forcing everything to go underground. And I think that that's really important is that we try to keep things above ground a little bit and accessible because people are going to tattoo no matter what, regardless of a an apprenticeship or any training, people are just going to tattoo. They're going to tattoo out of their houses. They're, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And if things are just accessible for them to buy on eBay or Amazon or wherever ever through a tattoo supply company and everything that they're buying is garbage, well, how does that look on our craft? You know, how does that reflect upon us as tattooers when somebody gets a tattoo and all the greens and blues fall out or are reactive, etc. You know, because who's to say that what is coming in is safer rather than not, unless we actually push for some kind of additional testing and reports and data and, and all of that kind of stuff. So there are a few states that are much stricter in the United States. One of them is Oregon, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I have an Oregon license. It has to be one of the toughest places in the world to tattoo full time. They just require so many ridiculous things. And then they have a test that you have to actually go into the state capitol and take in person, uh, which costs a bunch of money and um, has a lot of questions that are just they don't apply to tattooing at all. And I understand that when it comes to like a regulatory license, you have to understand, you know, like the actual process of regulation within that state. But it just seems really ridiculous that, you know, they don't have more relevant questions that have to do with like an expertise of your your knowledge and materials. And then the, the other thing about their test is that when they wrote the test, they basically just had uh, you know, five board members get together and who's to say what those qualifications are? They're, they're appointed, they're not elected. So if, if a governor is appointing people to these chair offices that are writing regulation for the rest of these people, who some of which are not tattooers in the least, like how do they get to decide what is accurate and what is fair to test people on a mastery of their, their knowledge to get a license. It's just a money grab for the state and it makes absolutely no sense. So yeah, if you're in Oregon or you're interested in Oregon, I would suggest going to um, reformoregontattooing.com and looking more into what that nonprofit is doing to try to ba- basically take back you know, the, the ownership of our own industry because it just, it feels like around the world what's happening is that we're losing our capacity to be in charge of our own industry because of outdated taboos. We've kind of lived with this stigma and this taboo through the industry, and I've definitely dealt with it in my own family with uh, you know, a lot more conservative individuals or older individuals that don't understand tattooing and they don't understand that tattooing has been in human culture as long as we can carbon date human bodies. So the oldest carbon dated modified remains of humans have tattoos like part of our genes. It's, it's part of us to mark our bodies. And it's, it's 
our right as human beings to make that decision. And I don't think that any government agency in any regard should have the capacity to step in and tell us that we can't do that. And especially to say that whatever materials, whatever arbitrary materials are approved or aren't approved based on legislation that we don't get a say in, I think that's really unfair. So yeah, you know, certain states in the United States are going to have stricter regulation and then certain states have no regulation at all, which is also really scary. Some places don't even require that you get a bloodborne pathogen certificate. So, you know, it's also, even if your your area, wherever it be, wherever in the world, has zero regulation for uh, public health and safety in tattooing, it should be your responsibility as a tattoo artist to give the best standards of care that you possibly can to your clientele. And if that going above and beyond required by any kind of state or area or county or whatever regional, you know, uh, regulatory agent asks of you, you should do that. As a tattooer, one should always want to be the best that they can possibly be. Um, But we also need to have some kind of cohesion amongst the industry to say that we're not going to tolerate anything less. Just like us tattooers hating on scratchers because it's nasty and it's dirty. Like we, we need to have cohesion to say that we want better, not only from ourselves, but anybody else that's in operation of this because it makes us look really bad. There are some parts of the United States where tattooing was illegal until about a decade ago. I think in uh, Oklahoma and South Carolina, tattooing wasn't even legal until like 2008, you know, so very recently. um, And within the, you know, the 90s and early 2000s, um, basically health departments said, like, we don't want to deal with this at all. It's too much of a problem. So we're just going to shut it down. And we have to avoid that. We have to try to avoid that because as soon as any kind of uh, murmur of something becoming dangerous and detrimental to a person's health starts to come out in the tattoo industry, people will just shut it down rather than actively trying to seek out um, the truth and materials that they need or should want in order to allow our industry to continue operating. And, you know, you know, I know probably a lot of people listening or watching this now that if things are shut down, they're probably still going to do it anyway. For a lot of people that have the tools and have the education to keep themselves and their clients safe, maybe that's fine. You know, maybe you make your own ink and you make it in a manner of which is, is safe. The problem is that when you do that illegally, you jeopardize yourself and your family. And I don't want to operate illegally. I don't. I want to do this art because this is my career and my livelihood, and I don't want to go underground. I think that this should be, I should be able to operate in a public manner with the materials that I like and I choose because I have a decent understanding as to how they work and they operate. Yeah, knowledge is power. Exactly. Knowledge is power. And how do you think, obviously there's no easy answer, but how do you think in a scenario like that, we could try to take back that control over the industry from conservative institutions, so to speak. Like, for example, mm-hmm. the people in, in Oregon are doing with the nonprofit. What kind of initiatives could help? What kind of, uh, what could we do? Well, tattooers need to find out what is going on in their community and in, uh, in their industry, depending on where they're located. 
so typically there's somebody who's in charge of something somewhere. So let's say hypothetically in Spain, tattooers need to come together and they need to reach out to whomever is basically uh, writing these restrictions or coming up with these restrictions. They're going to need to lobby. They're going to need to show up. They're going to need to be active politically, you know. And if something comes into if something comes into the light that's detrimental to our industry, also reach out to the media. Reach out to news organizations. Say, hey, this isn't fair. There's corruption here. They're not listening to us. This is something that people should know about. Because people that like to get tattooed need to know this too. If you like getting tattooed, you also want to have the best possible materials and safety. And you don't want it to be misinformation. And you don't want it to be the type of scenario where one organization or one industry lobbies for self-profit because that's not necessarily going to be a free, open, and safe market for everybody either. Um, so, you know, I can't say specifically who anywhere in the world or the United States is going to need to reach out to because it's going to differ depending on where somebody is located. Um, but I know in the United States, city in each county has their own health department. Whoever that regulatory agency is has somebody who's helping to write the code for this or that, or they'll have the contact information for the correct person. So if somebody can reach out to that person down the line through whatever grapevine, they can probably find the right person to talk to. And that's appropriate, you know? And if you plot my desk down on their counter and you say, here you go, here's what's really happening in the body, that's going to be foundational in changing minds because a lot of regulators have no idea what's going on in tattoo shops. I've had regulators come in and touch my dirty sink with bare hands and then touch their glasses on their <laughs> face and then touch a clean area, you know, and we're just sitting there going, oh, you know, and th these are people that are supposed to be so well versed in regulation that they understand every facet of what's happening. And we all know that that's, that's not the way that it works. You know, basically, they're given a checklist of things that they have to do because they're just a work and stiff. They come in, they check all the things, and it's our responsibility as the true industry experts to educate these people as well. So don't let other people take the reins on this industry. We are the experts. We're the people that have the knowledge, and we need to get involved. It's interesting how instead of shying out, we need to be more involved. It's almost like philosophical. You know? So instead of trying to hide things more, you had to come to the light even more in order to protect that authority and independence that you're trying to stick onto. You know? So it, it's, it's interesting because it's a change in, in mentality from something that is deeply ingrained in the trade, which fascinates me deeply. But at the same time, on a practical level, we need to understand, like you say, sometimes you had to be politic. And in this new phase, this new age of tattooing, you're going to need as well, not only, but as well, some people that are well-spoken, well-educated, eager to be involved to protect this business, you know, instead of like, no, hide it as much as possible, you know, because to some extent that's okay. But today, the scenario changed, so definitely the approach needs to change as well. Otherwise, like you say, it might jeopardize the whole industry because some other people might take over, which have absolutely no interest in. So what's, uh, what's your, after all this unfortunate madness that is going around the world that hopefully we'll see the light soon, uh, when things go back to normal, what's the next thing that we can expect? Or you said the following up to the book, which 
we'll deepen a bit more into certain topics. So I'm working on a couple of different projects right now. Um, as I had mentioned, I'm in direct contact um, with the individual who kind of heads up the task force for tattooing for the FDA. I also participate with the Association of Food and Drug Officials, Color Petition Committee and Body Art Committee. And I listen in on their phone call, and kind of try to give, you know, advice where I can and, and kind of just just to have a better uh, understanding of what's happening contemporarily. So I would definitely like to post a couple more articles when things become, you know, when things become known to myself, try to make it known to the public as much as possible through podcasts, through media, through articles, um, whatever I possibly can. I was working on a project to have a searchable database of material safety data sheets from basically every ink manufacturer I could find all over the world. Uh, we collected about thousands of material safety data sheets, and the project has been on hold now because if Congress in the United States changes what can be ma manufactured and what cannot be manufactured, um, you know, basically that becomes completely irrelevant uh, to have MSDSs because there will only be certain approved colors. So I'm kind of in a waiting game with that right now until things kind of evolve and change and I have a little bit more certainty because it's a massive project to, to code that database. I'm going to be working on two projects with the book. One is gonna be kind of more interactive training videos. So I think having something that's like a little bit more of a visual learning tool will help people out a lot and also start offering a bloodborne pathogen training course on the science of tattooing so that we can kind of be like more of like a stop thing for people to kind of get a lot of resources to use. Um, and then we're also going to continue developing a second edition, which will have to do a lot more with uh, the medical side of contraindications and wound healing and kind of like more data and research that we can kind of gain and develop into ink breakdown and toxicity. And uh, we're probably going to start that second edition time and everything permitting with what's happening in the world right now, um, next fall to next winter. So I definitely have a few people that I've been working with on this kind of stuff. And we're all kind of chomping at the bit to continue on here. You know, it's kind of like opening up Pandora's box as soon as you kind of like start peering into the things that need to be done uh, with this type of research and education. It just like exponentially starts to expand onto how we can kind of go about all of this type of stuff. So the most important thing is that we stay grassroots and that people that support this project and that are interested in it talk about it and um, actively want to try to get involved with things. Eventually, I would like to have better resources on how people can get involved with regulatory agencies and more cohesion. Um, into like certain organizations that like want to lobby in Congress and like want to be a part of things. Um, so the big thing is like if people want to participate and they want to volunteer, I could always use the help. So if anybody wants to take a little bit of time to help out with our organization, you know, reach out to us, let us know. We also can give you some resources into kind of like some federal organizations. Um, if you want to participate with the Association of Food and Drug Officials and become a member of their organization, or if you want to contact the FDA, you know, and you want to ask what's going on, you know, it's a public agency. So theoretically, they're supposed to be open for comment for 
people around the United States to ask them. And if you have more information on, on regulation or you have a critique of something, I'm also open to that. And if you're based in a different country, if you're based in Australia or Europe, you know, that are having all these crazy regulatory issues right now, send me more information, send me contact info, let me know how we can all help each other because we're all in this together. It's not one person fighting for their own self-profit against somebody else. And I'm sure a couple of people are doing that in the tattoo industry around the world right now because they do stand to gain something from it. If you're the only tattoo pigment company to become approved in all these different countries, you're the only name of the game and that's what we want to avoid. So yeah, get involved. Let me know. Thescienceoftattooing.com. You can send us an email. What's your, your contacts? Where people can find you most easily if they want to reach out to you? Um, if you go to thescienceoftattooingoneword.com, we have, a, we have a contact form on there. Um, you can also reach us at thescienceoftattooing at gmail.com. Basically, you know, just, just reach out to us and, and let me know. I mostly run everything. So if you contact myself, Hannah Wolf, through any avenue that you can find Hannah Wolf through, you know, it'll probably get redirected to the right resources. If you want to be constructive, definitely reach out. I'm, I'm always happy to hear, hear from people. Then I look forward to hear the next time your progress and hopefully you're going to have some new breakthrough and hopefully everything worked right in the right direction. Thank you, Anna, for being here today and uh yeah talk soon thank you so much Steph I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me